Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers Podcast. We're your happy hosts, Amy and Madeline, best friends who work hard and hustle harder. We believe to be happy and healthy in your work, you need to be happy and healthy in your life. Through storytelling, we combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of normal people with inspiring lives. From leading entrepreneurs to athletes, models and artists, together we delve deep into their journey to success to find out why health and well-being is the core of their philosophy. Whether you're looking for advice and guidance for leading your best life, an engaging, easy-to-digest pep talk, or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking ass in work and play. A budding fast-paced career as a fashion journalist, Elle Halliwell seemed to have it all. But in 2016, after a visit to her local doctor, her life quickly turned into a nightmare. She was told that she had a rare form of leukaemia, and just when she thought things couldn't get any worse, two days later, Elle found out that she was pregnant with her first child. Faced with an almighty decision, Elle embarked on an emotional roller coaster. Today, Elle is the mother to happy, healthy little boy Tor and the author of the incredibly heartfelt book, A Mother's Choice, which documents her journey and the decision to forego treatment until after the birth of her child. Welcoming us into her home in Bondi, we chat to this beautiful soul about her unimaginable journey, how she keeps a positive mindset and why health and well-being has become her core philosophy. Hi, Al. Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so, so excited to have you here today. Let's kick off by hearing about your happy place. Where do you go to unwind and reconnect? Oh, I think it's always the bath. I do love a hot soak, to be fair. Um, you know, and I really make it a real experience. So I'll light a candle and I'll get my Epsom salts and my bicarb soda and a couple of drops of lavender if I'm, you know, feeling like I need to have a sleep or I'll have some tea tree or some eucalyptus oil if, I, if I've got a cold or something like that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll get like a nice warm tea and I just find the baths a really easy place to kind of meditate and just sit with your thoughts and it's a really nice way to wind down at the end of the day. So I guess especially in winter right now, that's definitely my happy place. Oh, that sounds incredible. We're from uh, Melbourne, so that would definitely be nice in the Melbourne winter at the moment. <laughs> yes, the only thing, I don't have a bath, so... Oh, no, we can use mine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, after just give me a call, pop up. <laughs> Love it, I'll be calling you. Um, now, can you take us all the way back to your childhood and give us a sneak peek of little Al growing up? <laughs> uh, okay, so I grew up in Sydney's Northern Beaches, uh, which are pretty is a pretty relaxed place to kind of grow up lots of trees lots of places to kind of run amok um we lived um on pit water which is like a beautiful little inlet of water and um i just have these memories of going down to the um to the jetty at the end of our our house and going fishing and wandering along like the the mangroves and you know looking for crabs i was a bit of a tomboy i loved getting dirty um, i loved going for treasure hunts and chasing ducks around and things like that so it was a, definitely a very um natural childhood we'd often go on camping trips and stuff my dad loved 
going in the caravan up the coast and I just literally spend hours just making mud pies and exploring things like that so I was definitely not a girly girl growing up um so it was it was a really lovely childhood I have two older sisters so they were 10 they're 10 and 9 years older than me so um didn't really get to spend as much time with them as I would have liked growing up but they were kind of like mothers to me in in a respect so they you know dress me up and things like that so look it was a really really nice blissful childhood and I'm really grateful to my parents for you know for giving me such a lovely place to grow up. Today you are an author, journalist and mother to Beautiful Tour but your story is so much more than that. Two years ago your life changed forever when you were diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia which is a form of blood cancer And then two days later, found out that you were pregnant with your first child. We actually can't even begin to imagine what you would have been feeling at this time. Elle, do you mind shedding some light on this experience? What was going through your mind? Oh my gosh, it was such a mixture of nothing because, you know, you're in shock. Uh, I was still in shock from the cancer diagnosis, I guess because up until... The moment that I was told that I had chronic myeloid leukemia, I'd never ever heard that word mentioned before. I had no idea what that meant. All I knew was that leukemia often was fatal and um, a very, very horrible way to die. And I guess those thoughts were going through my head when I was told that I had it. Um, And I guess up until that point, I'd always been so focused on the future my goals what I wanted to achieve and having that future completely ripped away and having nothing in front of you but blackness was really confronting and I think that it really made me stop and be in the moment so while it was a really devastating thing to happen it was really the first time that I kind of practiced um, you know being in the moment Um, But at the time, all I thought was this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And then we, you know, we spent the next couple of days telling our family, which was probably even harder than hearing that I had it. Um, And then I, me and my husband hadn't exactly been that careful when it came to um, contraception. We did want to have a baby later in the year. We weren't ready, but I, I was kind of focused on getting my body primed for having a baby. So that's why I went to the doctor in the first place to get um, a test to find out what my vitamin D levels were and my folate, things like that. Uh, And that's when they came back with abnormal platelet levels, which is the thing that kind of helps clot your blood. Um, And so uh, a few weeks later, we um, went out for dinner with some friends and I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to have a glass of wine because I thought maybe I'm pregnant. So I bought two, two pregnancy tests and I took one and it came back negative. So I thought, okay, great, you know, I can have a glass of wine. And then that spare test was sitting on the top of the fridge. And on the Saturday, two days after I was diagnosed, I kind of just had this weird feeling that I needed to take that extra test. Even though the first one had come back negative, I thought, could this get any worse? I don't know why I asked that question, but I thought I just needed to rule out, you know, anything. So I took the test and when it came back positive, it was just such a horrible feeling because it was 
something that I should have been so excited about and all I could feel was dread because I didn't know what this meant for anything. Um, and when I told my husband, you know, he felt the same as well. We were just like, well, what, what does this mean? And we had the appointment with the hematologist on the Monday <clears throat> to find out exactly what that meant. And it was then that we were given, I guess, the choice to terminate the baby and go on fertility treatment um, and then um, then go straight on this medication that had come about that's basically completely changed the... Um, the outlook for, for people with CML or um, continue with the pregnancy, which was a big risk because I didn't know how the pregnancy was going to react with my CML because CML is a disease which mainly affects men in their 60s. Oh, wow. So there's no... I didn't have any of those kind of risk factors and very few people had been in my situation around the world that I was later to find this out. So I was kind of a guinea pig. They didn't really know whether, you know, the pregnancy might kind of speed up the cancer or or slow it down. It was all very much a, an unknown, um, which was why they were, you know, very kind of strongly suggested that I take option A. Um, and so it was, it was a really, really hard decision to make because here I am still trying to figure out this whole CML thing. And then I've got to decide whether or not to keep my baby that I've wanted so it was yeah it was very it was a really surreal experience at the time and I think two years later I can kind of look at look back at it without as much emotion but at the time you know I was I think I was still actually in shock over the the leukemia itself so it was yeah very very strange yeah my goodness I think there's two things I want to ask you from that firstly the fact that you went and you know saw your doctor um, wanting to get your body right has almost saved your life in a way or potentially um, you might not have found out that you had CML for a long time later, do you think? I think having fallen pregnant, mm-hmm. I probably would have found out a little bit earlier. Um, but if I hadn't fallen pregnant either, I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have gotten a blood test. Mm. Um, so yeah, I probably would have found out when I'd started to experience symptoms and often the symptoms show up when you're really in the fairly late, later stages of CML, which means that it's a lot harder to treat. So the fact that they caught it when it was fairly early was, was great. But then the fact that I had to wait nine months Mm. was also a problem because they just didn't know whether that was going to affect how I responded to the medication once I finally got on it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're still not sure whether that did affect it or not. You know, if I had gone on it earlier, perhaps now I would have been in complete remission and had undetectable. Um, At the moment, I'm still getting there. My levels are really low, but I still have the, the cancer cells in my body. So... Look, I don't know, but you know, if you'd asked me to make that choice, knowing where I was now, I w- would absolutely not have changed it for the world. Yeah, um, and I guess we go to our doctors for that, you know, advice, and you and you, you, they have your best interests at heart, and they gave you that option A to, you know, abort the baby and start your treatment now, or um, or wait. How did you make that decision? I mean, um, 
well, I guess, to how did you have the courage to go against almost the doctor's first, like, biggest recommendation to abort the baby? Yeah. That takes a lot of courage, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you guys can agree. You go to the doctor and they say, this is what's wrong with you. This is what will fix you. Mm. And you say, okay, and you take the pills, you, you know, take all this because they're your authority. You know what I mean? If yeah. someone in authority tells you something's X, then, you know, you do X. Yeah. Um, but it was actually my husband who kind of shook me out of that mindset and was like, hang on, let's think about this logically. <clears throat> First of all, if you terminate the baby, then you have to wait until you get your period again mm-hmm. to go on the fertility treatment. Yeah. That could take X months. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done that, then you can go you know, on, on the drugs. So you're looking at maybe another four months of no treatment. So why wouldn't we maybe just wait an extra three or so months and then have the baby Mm. rather than, do do you know what I mean? So he kind of made me think a bit more logically. And we also got a second opinion um, from a man down in South Australia who's a world expert in CML. And, you know, he said the same thing as well as my hematologist. He said, um, yeah, the the safest route would be to, you know, to go on the fertility treatment and, um, and then go on the drugs sooner than later. But he said, I, I understand your predicament. It seems counterintuitive to abort a child to have fertility treatment. Mm-hmm. Like that just seems a bit wrong ethically. Um, and yeah, we absolutely agreed. And so that kind of gave us a little bit more confidence to, to kind of decide to keep the baby. But it wasn't easy. It was very scary. You know, you're you're looking at your own mortality. But I think that, you know, I'd gotten to that 12-week mark. Um, Once I got there, I realized that this baby was in for the long run. And I had to give it the best shot of living as well. So it was a bit of a team effort. And I think it really, you know, brought me close to my baby. Yeah. I think that's really inspiring and does give a message to always evaluate the right option for you um and go and get that second opinion not always just take you the authorities you know recommendation yeah um because they're not in your shoes and not they're not living in your life every day and of course we're not saying not to listen to doctors Mm. but just explore every you know the option that's right for you and get that second opinion absolutely good point so prior to having cml your lifestyle was quite demanding with a career as a fashion journalist who was Al back then and what did your days look like? Oh, God. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was so different. Uh, she was selfish and not, not in a, like, a really nasty way. But I guess, you know, I didn't really think much about the environment or, I don't know, the world in general. I was very much um, kind of internally focused I was very stressed out. My priorities were all messed up. My values were not adhered to properly. Um, And I think I was living life for other people. Um, From the outside, it looked like I kind of had everything. You know what I mean? I had this great job and I was a red carpet. um, But inside, I was full of anxiety, full of stress. I did not look after my body properly. It was right down the list of my priorities. Work always came first. Um, You know, health was really low. I missed so many birthdays and anniversaries and weddings because I was always working. And, you know, I think 
spiritually that can be really detrimental um and i think that can manifest itself physically so i was constantly sick every time that i went on holidays i'd get ill because my body finally had a chance to kind of rest and my immune system could take a bit of a break i think and so i was constantly ill constantly overstressed and just not just not a great person um i think if you ask other people they might not say that I was a terrible person or anything but in my mind I wasn't the person that I would have admired and when when I kind of was diagnosed and the dust had settled a bit and I was really kind of reevaluating my life I thought about my my death and you know if if it was to happen and I, I wondered whether or not I, I felt like I would have uh, been happy to, to go at that point and I felt like in one way, I felt like I'd achieved a lot of things that I'd wanted to achieve, but I wasn't the person I wanted to be. And so that kind of made me think, well, if I do get the second chance, then I want to change that. I want to be a person that I admire. I want to be a person that my baby, if it all works out, will admire. I want to set a good example for, for them, you know, to, to make sure that you, you know, you have values and you abide by them and that you're true to yourself and what you believe in and you know that you tread lightly on the world and having gotten that second chance now i've you know i've got to live up to that promise and it's not easy but i'm i'm working on it and i feel like every morning i wake up and i think you know how am i going to be a better person today Wow, I'm like, almost don't know what to say. That's just so incredible and like so powerful. And I think there's probably, you know, a lot of people who wouldn't have gone through half as much as as you have, but are living in those careers or doing those things that they're just going by and, and missing out. Like, you know, like I even know when I first started in a career of just, you know, I never exercised and I wouldn't go to dinners because I was like, oh, I have to work later. I've got an event on the weekend. And it is when you step back from that, so important to really focus on what you want out of life. And, yeah. you know, we're only here for a short time. So, That's right. And I think yeah. when you're a young woman and you're trying to break into an industry that you want, especially an industry, you know, like ours, like the media, you know, the, the only way is to really work very, very hard. But I think that we can kind of lose ourselves and become so obsessed with people pleasing and making sure that we have this certain image that we we kind of neglect other areas of our lives that are really really important at the time and I think it's only when you start to get into late 20s that you kind of once you start ticking off those bucket list goals you go am I more satisfied than I was back then and I don't think that we necessarily are unless those other aspects of your life are also in line you know if you can feel happy with the person that you are not just what you achieved. So I think that that's, you know, something that a lot of women struggle with. And I wish, you know, that I, I'd learnt those lessons when I was a bit younger. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and being so open and honest already. This is amazing. We're just loving chatting to you. So, yeah, as we've mentioned, your story is just so incredibly inspiring. We've both been in tears many times reading your story or um, hearing you speak about your journey. I guess how I'd love to understand how going through such a horrific experience um, and such a roller coaster ride, you have been able to keep such a positive mindset. Um, 
I think that putting everything into constant perspective really helped. When I was going through it, I thought to myself, you know, yes, I've got leukemia. Yes, that's really bad. And a lot of other people are in much better situations than, than me right now. But, you know, I'd get out of bed every morning and I'd say, wow, I can get out of bed. And, you know, I'd kind of do a bit of a, a mental um, assessment of my body and go, okay, I'm not feeling terrible today. You know, I don't have too many aches and pains. You know, I'm, I've got enough energy to get out of bed. This is pretty good. You know, a lot of other people with leukemia don't have this, you know, ability to kind of get out of bed and go for a walk. And so I think just literally thinking of that, the fact that I, you know, was able to kind of get up and, and do things that a lot of other people couldn't made me feel pretty blessed. So I think if you look at it from that kind of microcosm and go, I'm a lot better than that dude or that person, I think that really helped with my mental state and remembering that, especially when I was, you know, feeling a bit sorry for myself. I think that that really helped. And also kind of um, thinking about my goal. So that was to literally just keep my baby alive and to make it to that point. And whenever I kind of thought about that, all of the other little niggles disappeared. You know, I didn't really think about anything else except making sure that this little guy was okay. And for me, that meant, okay, so I'm going to go for a walk this morning and then I'm going to eat a really healthy lunch, you know, nourish us both. And then tonight I'm going to have a really nice sleep. I'm going to do a bit of meditation and, and that's all I can do. You know, I'm doing the best that I can and not worrying about anything else. And it was actually that mindset and just trying to be in the moment and not thinking too far about the future was one of the biggest things that helped my anxiety, um, which pretty much disappeared when I was pregnant, which was quite amazing because it's something that I'd battled since I was in my early 20s. And that was amazing. And I think it was literally um, just focusing on the present Mm -hmm. that they tell you a lot, you know, is one of the keys to to not having anxiety. But it's really hard to put into practice when, Mm -hmm. you you know, you've got things to do, you've got children to look after or you've got a job that you've got to go to or bills to pay. You know, yeah, it's easier said than done. But for me, I mean, having something as momentous as getting a a cancer diagnosis kind of forces you to go, okay, I don't everything else can fuck off right now (laughs) i got something a little bit bigger to deal with thank you very much and yeah i think it was just getting rid of that clutter that really um really actually helped me um mentally yeah definitely yeah i think that's i love what you said about being grateful you know for the situation you're in and i think everyone no matter what they're going through can really take something from that yeah thank you for sharing that i think um it's really beautiful and i hope everyone takes something from it thanks girls um so in 2016 you then gave birth to a very happy healthy little baby boy tour and not long after you began your treatment where are you at now and how are you going juggling being a mum working and your own personal health and wellness goals oh it's a struggle (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it's not easy um but i i still kind of look back and think wow i can't believe that i got through that and that the outcome was so positive um because not everyone has such a, a good um you know good outlook as i did so um for that i'm really grateful and so when things do start getting a bit overwhelming i just have to kind of stop and think just remember 
that this is your second chance and life's not that bad, you're still here. And I think just being able to celebrate every day above ground is kind of enough to kind of, you know, make you think, all right, today's not such a bad day. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, look, it is tough because you just go back to in many, you know, senses, just your, your daily life again. And you've got all of those pressures and, you know, yeah, I'm back working four days a week and juggling a little human, which is a big responsibility. Um, but I think just always trying to remember what happened and the fact that I'm not um, better yet. So at the moment, um, CML, it's a chronic chronic cancer, uh, and I'm on a, a oral form of chemotherapy. I take it twice a day and I fast for three hours each day. So it's not... Um, like it's not a terrible thing to have to do but it is a bit you know of an inconvenience and a little bit of an adjustment uh but look if that means that i'll be on that for the rest of my life but i'll still have it the rest of my life then that's a pretty good bargain i think um i'm i'm currently um close to undetectable but not there yet fingers crossed it'll happen soon Um, I think about 50% of people have managed once they get to that point to go off the medication and have the cancer not start returning. But I'm always going to have these chromosomes which have broken apart and reattached improperly. So in that respect, I'll always have CML in a way. Um, But whether or not I'll be able to get to the point where it literally doesn't affect my life at all, that would be amazing. But yeah, look, at the moment, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to live my best life now and focus on, you know, my health and wellness. And I think as well, having a little human to, um, to also worry about in that respect is really good because you kind of will, you know, be really kind of on top of their health and stuff like that. And you think, well, if I'm feeding them that food, which is so healthy and organic and natural, I have to do the same for myself. So it's good because we're kind of working as a bit of a team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's that's good. And I'm trying to make sure that Tor has as healthy a, a start as possible because I know that, you know, he didn't <laughs> when he was in my stomach, I guess. Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a constant struggle, but I'm getting there. You're amazing. Honestly. Oh, girl, just yes. keep saying that, but honestly, <laughs> I think... Um, I just hope it doesn't take everyone to, to go through what you have to, to have, I guess, the, the new wisdom mm. that, and, and the way that you now live your life. Um, yeah, I think it's so important to keep spreading your message um, and being that voice for people like, like everyday girls like us, really, and everyone, not just girls. Yeah, I think, you know, if we keep remembering that, especially, you know, here in Australia, we're part of zero point five percent of the world that has access to clean water every day enough food and just to be part of that tiny percentage when you think about it is so amazing and we're so fortunate we have cars that we can drive around you know we can afford to wear nice clothes let alone you know buy clothes at all and that's something that we should all be kind of celebrating and i think just constantly keeping in our mind and i think that with that though also comes a really big responsibility to set an example to the world about protecting what we have. And that's one thing that I found that once I had gave birth to Tor, I became really, really concerned with. And I was in, uh, I was listening to a podcast by Marianne Williamson who wrote um, the book A Course in Miracles. 
And she made a really good um, point saying that we're the only animal species that has systematically destroyed our own habitat. And that just sounds crazy, doesn't it, that we've done that? And she also kind of talked about how um, how protective a mother is of her, her cubs and how she will literally do whatever she can to kind of protect her environment um, to make it safe for her children. And I think that having had Tor has made me very much acutely aware of the footprint that I'm leaving mm-hmm. on the world. Yeah. So I've become very environmentally conscious. So things like, you know, going to scoop whole foods or naked foods and, and you know, buying in bulk and, mm-hmm. and trying not to use plastic and consume and things like that that's been become a really big focus to me as well and I think that that and you know good health go hand in hand but I think that's something that we all really have to to be very aware of and focus on because I feel like we're kind of getting to that point where as Marianne said as well it's like trying to turn around the Titanic are we going to be able to do it before we hit the iceberg that's that's what I'm concerned about and I think having children really makes you think how do I want to leave this earth for the next generation yeah it's so funny how amazing our lifestyle is as you said we can jump in our car and drive down the street and and you know we've got so much infrastructure around us clean water but how much stress that has actually put in our lifestyle Mads and I have been really lucky to work for a company that um, does a lot of development work over in Uganda and I've been very lucky to go over there and, and witness that and see the children who and and the families that have not even half of what we have here in our lives, but how happy they are and, and satisfied with the little things that they have. Yep. And yeah, I find that over here in our Western world, it's amazing and we are so lucky, but we do take a lot for granted. And just to keep up and with striving for more and more, we're quite unsatisfied in general with yes. what we have and we always strive for the, the new handbag or the, the next you know bigger car. Yeah. It's like a, a mouse wheel, isn't it? Like it just keeps going and going. The more you have, the more you want. And I think it's not until we kind of get our our heads right and sort that kind of part of it that we're going to continue to want and to waste and to to use and consume. But it, it's really hard. Like it's actually one of the hardest things I think that you have to do is to try and kind of break away from that rat race and you know from from wanting and from that barrage of advertising and people saying you're not a good enough person unless you have these this new gucci handbag mm-hmm. so it's really really tough and i like i get it you know working in fashion you're constantly yeah. bombarded with things yeah totally and I, for you guys too obviously oh definitely i i definitely know better than that but i do find myself wanting to buy the 600 dollars leather jacket that's, yes you know it's navy so i've got two black ones but i really need this blue one it will change my life yep and, you know, five minutes later you've worn it once and it doesn't have that same satisfaction really, does it? You know, no. Like you remember when you were little and you would kind of go, I just need that new bike. And if I have that new bike, I would never want for anything ever again. <laughs> like that is it. Nothing. And then you get the new bike and a week later you're like, oh, I want a scooter. <laughs> I just need the scooter and then everything will be perfect. Oh, and my... we don't grow out of that. No, we don't. Absolutely. My daughter Lily often, she's eight, and she will say to me, we'll be at Kmart or somewhere, and she's like, Mum, I really, really need that slime. 
I'll pay for it out of my bank account. I pay, I'll pay you back. I promise. I just really need it. Yeah. She probably has two lots of slime at home. Really? She really does. But we're not better, are we? No. Oh, I just want that leather jacket. <laughs> and then I won't want anything else again, even though I've got two black ones in my closet already. I'm sure my husband would actually say that I'm worse than Lily. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes when it comes to a leather jacket, probably. So you've said that you obviously now put such an emphasis on your health and wellness and you've spoken about, you know, going to the shop and buying bulk whole foods mm. and, you know, reducing your plastic. Is there anything else that you now do in yeah, to have a less impact on the environment? Um, yeah, lots of little things like I'm trying to just, yeah, reuse containers that I have, um, yeah, buying in bulk. That's really important. Uh, what else? Um or just changes to your lifestyle in general, even just without the, the impact on the environment. Just um... Yeah, uh, look, I mean, from when I, when I was first diagnosed, I did do a really big life detox. So um, I swapped all my Teflon plant, uh, pans and, and saucepans over to, um, to um, stainless steel. And I got rid of all of the kind of harsh chemical detergents in the house and I swapped over you know my my skincare for healthier options it's a bit of a minefield though because the more it's kind of like going down the rabbit hole in a way because you kind of you'll you'll buy a, a product which you think is really super healthy and you'll start using that and then you'll really kind of start focusing on hang on it's healthier than you know the Ajax spray and wipe but is it the healthiest and so you start going, hang on, these, these are all natural ingredients, so, so the packaging says, but they're also man-made and adjusted. Like I'm, I'm studying at the moment um, a diploma of natural medicine. I can't remember what it's called. Western Herbal Therapeutics? No, that's the other one. No, I think it's Western Herbal Therapeutics. No, sorry, girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a natural medicine advanced diploma at Nature Care. I can't remember the exact name because it does change, but it's naturopathy. Um, and we were just studying the, um, the components of ginger, right? And one of the elements in ginger is linalool, which is a volatile oil. So I was researching linalool and I looked up on um, one of the consumer databases that talks about ingredients and things like that. And it came up with it being a five in terms of its health rating. And I thought, hang on, that's weird because it comes from ginger. Like that's a natural item, but it can actually um, cause irritation for people. But that's only when it's extracted from, from the ginger. So hence you're kind of taking it from its, um, you know, collective um, ingredients, which is all packaged nicely in this ginger, which is really good for you. And then it's been extracted and so that by itself is actually can be a bit toxic if you have too much of it or it comes in contact with your skin. And so I think that the further away we get from just using whole ingredients that have come from the ground, that's when we start to get into trouble. So I think that we've got to realize that just because it comes from nature doesn't mean it's necessarily that good for you if it's been processed and manufactured and changed and, you know, done all of these things. So for me, I'm still kind of getting to that point where I'm, starting to kind of reduce further the chemicals in my life whether they're even natural or synthetic so and that can be really hard especially um when you have a really busy lifestyle i know for me i really want to take all of the harsh chemicals out of my home with the cleaning products mm-hmm. and so you know i went and bought you know all of the essential oils and and all of the 
more natural, I guess, product um, and decided to cancel my cleaner um, because she cleans with Ajax and and bleach and all of those things. But then my life started falling apart without my cleaner. (laughs) Um, And it's literally just finding that balance. I mean, I've just got to really probably sit down and do the research and find a cleaner that uses natural products. But um, it is that balance of a busy lifestyle and and doing your research and being prepared. I think being prepared is a big one. And all of that stress and anxiety that you've put on um, that issue there, is that more detrimental to actually just being in contact with some of those toxic ingredients if you're nice and calm and collected? So there's always that balance between being kind of grounded and and happy and calm um, or, you know, trying to do everything perfectly. And I think that that's what we're going to do. We've got to relax a bit. Try and do your best, but don't stress out if, you know, there's nothing to eat except for the, you know, packet of chips at your desk (laughs) or something. Because if you start agonizing over it, you know, the cortisol is going to start running Mm. through your system. Your adrenals are going to be, you know, going at a crazy pace. And that's probably doing just as much damage as eating the bloody chips, right? Totally. (laughs) I 100% agree with you there. And I think it totally is a rabbit warren. I've Mm. probably more gone down it in the food path rather than the cleaning products or the chemicals. That's one that is on my list. It's just, (laughs) you know, work in progress. But um, we've really tried to limit um, preservatives, mm-hmm. so buying anything really from a packet. And it's just crazy. I literally, <laughs> my shopping now takes me like hours, and my fiance <laughs> and I are literally stand in the supermarket, and he's down one aisle, and I'm down the other, and we're reading the back of things, and I'm like, you know, all of this stuff we've actually been eating for years, and we've been probably quite fine, but now that we're trying to change that in our diet especially you know thinking about having a family soon and those sort of things you know want to get your body Mm -hmm. ready and make sure that you're definitely bringing human in in the best um way possible but it is a rabbit warren and it's like where do you draw the line almost yes that's right and you can read a book from an expert saying this is the way to perfect health and then you read something that's completely conflicting by another expert saying no this is the way to complete health and I think we're overthinking everything. Yeah. And if you think about it, like the, there were the, all of these studies done where animals were observed and if a goat was sick, it would go and eat a certain grass because it knew that that was what was going to help it. And when it was healthy, it would eat another grass. And it's that instinct that we've all lost. We're mm-hmm. so bombarded with all these different ideas and different ways of thinking that we stop listening to our own bodies and going, hang on, what, are, what do I really feel like? What's my body crying out for? Do I need you know, a whole glass of orange juice or um, do I really need a big steak because I'm, you know, feeling a bit low in iron. We're no longer listening to that intuitive little voice in our bodies telling us what to eat. And I think that that's probably what we've got to try and focus on the most is not listening to all the noise and just kind of going, hang on, what does my body need at this moment? You know, rather than following a certain dogma um, about what you should eat because I think that that's where we all kind of get a little bit... Um, confused with and some people will start kind of one kind of dietary path and then even if it's not making them feel so good they kind of feel like they've gotten to the point of no return and they almost can't change it because in their mind that would be a disappointment to them even if their body's craving something so I think it's just about letting go of all of that you know craziness and telling you what to do and just go okay this is what I'm going to eat today and that's it absolutely and it goes back to that whole holistic approach doesn't it like you know if you 
need to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to eat something or you're a little bit hungover, you need to eat that food. Just do it because it actually does bring a lot more happiness and calmness to your life than fighting what you think is wrong or shouldn't be done or putting too many boundaries probably is the right way of saying it. Eat food that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And going back to that little, you know, intuitive voice, do you have any tools that you use to slow down and just actually listen to your body for anyone else out there that, you know, is in the hustle and bustle and really wants to step back in? Yeah, look, I think everyone's got their own thing that they do. For me, just kind of taking a minute to breathe is really good because it does, it slows my whole body down and I just get into a little bit more of a state of calmness and I can focus better things like that even with if that's just like a, a little walk with a you know some deep breaths um or a bath <laughs> you know it does change it depends on you know how much time i have things like that but um yeah i think taking little moments throughout the day rather than one big moment is probably better yeah that's great would you consider yourself a spiritual person or has your experience allowed you to connect more deeply with yourself yeah, I, I think I've always been spiritual. I'm not religious, um, but I do believe that there's, there is a higher intelligence that, especially, you know, the more that I'm learning about our bodies and how, you know, atoms are formed and how they, you know, create chemical reactions and all of the amazing things that our bodies do without us even thinking about them or having to do anything is is pretty amazing and you just wonder how that could possibly be an accident Mm -hmm. and I I think about my you know my own journey and this second chance that I've got and I kind of do feel like we are here to each live a purpose and I feel really lucky that I've been able to find that purpose at the age that I did I don't think everyone necessarily will find that in their lives um so I yeah of course I believe that there's there's something else out there and I think I'm not scared of dying. I don't know this is getting very deep. Maybe the physical act of dying that's that's probably the scariest but I think what happens after I'm not scared because I just know that it's fine and whatever happens is going to be beautiful. Um but yeah whether there's a man with a beard upstairs I think the jury's still out on that. (laughs) But I think it's also nice to have faith, whether it is in God or, um, you know, Allah, whatever. I think it is nice to have faith as long as that helps you to lead a better life um, from a personal point of view. And I think that everyone's spiritual or religious journey is very personal. And I think that as long as we don't try and push it on other people and that it, you know, encourages us to do the right thing and do the right thing by other people, I think that 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 can't be bad. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I think that like I consider myself quite a spiritual person, but my grandmother, I've been raised in a very Catholic family. My grandmother, who's still here, she's 93 and um, very active. She's amazing, but she's um, very strong Catholic. And I think I'm always being quite respectful to the religion because of what it brings her. Yes. And the older I get, I probably think that there's actually not much difference in what I believe and what she does, it's just that we look at it in a in a different way or yeah. we, I guess, pray or talk to a different 
person or you know um so yeah that's really beautiful and I I, like I think everyone can take a bit from that and realize that you know there is definitely something bigger and higher than ourselves and And to touch into tap into that and to let it be there almost absolutely and if, if it does you know bring a sense of community then that's not a bad thing at all is it yeah it absolutely closer together yeah I totally agree now we just have a few of our favorite little questions before Ooh, we wrap okay. up although we really don't want to wrap this one <laughs> we could talk to you all day so what would you say your number one health tip is um oh I mean, there are little things that you could say, like, oh, make sure you, you know, um, use a tongue scraper in the morning. (laughs) Um, But I think it's more just relax. Don't overthink anything. Just, you know, eat to nourish your body and, you know, just look after your body as much as you can. But also have fun. You know, we've only got one life. YOLO. <laughs> so as long as it doesn't impact you mentally, then do it. Yeah, yeah no, that's great advice. I think it goes back to what you said earlier as well. Um, you know, when we we're talking about the old Alan, how she always had goals and she knew what her future was. You can get so caught up in that so quickly. And sometimes it's like, just let it go and, and be in this moment and enjoy it because, yeah, you know, it goes by pretty quick. Yes. <laughs> Even the years, they're flying. So we're in June. It's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Um, so what would one thing we can all do to bring more balance to our lives so the hustle can be healthy? I think we all need to give ourselves a bit of a break. Be kind to ourselves, to that little inner voice. You know, if we start berating ourselves for something that we ate or something that we did or, you know, a fuck up at work, <laughs> don't berate yourself because you've got to live in your own mind 24 hours a day. Um, and I think being kind to ourselves leads to us being kinder to others. Yeah. I need to implement that one into my life. Yes. Especially the fuck ups at work. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? that work isn't the be all and end all of your whole life and that it's okay to put yourself first and not worry so much about you know what what your employers or you know the people that you look up to will think about you i think just yeah being being truer to yourself is the most important thing i really love that and finally, for all the foodies listening, what does a day on your plate look like, Elle? Oh my gosh. Um, look, it really does differ. Um, I'll start my day, depending on how busy it is, I'll just kind of listen to my body and, you know, so that might start with a, a soy fat white or a chai if I'm kind of having more of a relaxing day. Um, I tend to not eat breakfast every day, only when my body kind of feels like it I I recently found out that I've got an intolerance to egg and milk which sucks (laughs) Um, so breakfast might be um, avocado on toast or mushrooms on toast or something like that if I'm feeling that way or you know birch and muesli and then for lunch if if I have a big breakfast I'll probably have something really light at lunch like a couple of pieces of fruit or something pretty pretty plain but I do love cooking so Um, Look, it could be anything from like a steak with a really beautiful rocket salad um, to like a really nice salad sandwich. 
so I really try not to limit myself you know I'm uh, yeah I kind of just go with what I'm feeling and then at night we actually get um, a, a service called Marley Spoon um, because it got to the point where me and my husband had very different ideas of what dinner looked like and while I would love to kind of have a beautiful organic meal every night it's just not possible so it means that if I'm running late to get home he knows that there's a recipe there that he needs to follow and it's packed full of vegetables so we're really you know happy to have that um so that that will could be anything from um I don't know like like a beautiful stir fry or something like that it changes like it's really varied which is really good um but generally yeah just a very healthy veggie packed dinner with either you know meat or grains so pretty standard (laughs) to be honest it's um it's not very um yeah it's not a very exciting meal plan i guess um (laughs) but it's just it's it's easy it's attainable and it's something that you know me and my family can can stick with all the time and i've got a little veggie garden out the back too which i love to kind of pick the lettuce from and beautiful spinach and herbs and stuff like that well i think there's two things that people can take out of that one is that you eat by listening to your body and what you feel like and you don't put too much pressure on yourself to you know eat a certain way if you want a sandwich for lunch you'll have a sandwich if you want a salad you'll have a salad um and then secondly i love that you you know go and get something like marley spoon because it fits in with your busy lifestyle it you know it is full of veggies it might not be organic but you know you're making the best choice for your family and i i get to that situation too we get hello fresh quite a lot oh yeah Hello Fresh is great too yeah yeah, or aussie farmers direct because that's exactly the same like my husband can there's a recipe and he will follow it i don't get a phone call saying so what are we having for dinner tonight (laughs) yes that's right you get home and there's like a piece of chicken on a plate with nothing and you go but well that's not dinner he's like yes it is (laughs) it's dinner for me yeah that's right (laughs) oh l thank you so very much for chatting with us today we have learned so much and we're continually inspired by you yeah we're just we're so grateful for your time and for you sharing your journey without fear with us so um i know our listeners will get so much out of that and we've just loved meeting you and we can't wait for our fresh orange juice now yes that's right i did promise no thank you i you guys are real inspiration to me spreading the word of health and wellness and you know loving yourself so yeah thank you for having me on thank you thank Thank you. you so much thanks girls Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our new episodes each week. For a dose of weekly happy, healthy news, you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website at thehealthyhustlers.com. Until next week, make sure that you're investing in yourself to keep the hustle healthy.